This is episode 54 of the History of Podcast. I'm Robert, and today's episode is the history of Oreos. I'm glad you're tuning in, and you'll never look at Oreos the same after I tell you the chocolate part imitates an off-brand chocolate graham cracker. I'm sorry. Well, to start, I have the egg carton count. And for those who are new, the egg carton count is how many foam egg cartons I have around this tiny studio of mine to uh, give better sound insulation to uh, help that sound quality. The new mic also helps. And this week's egg carton count, so I'm, I'm adding uh, egg cartons every week, this week is 71. So how about that? Hot take. I don't think vanilla Oreos should exist. And I know that opinion will make a lot of people mad, but that is merely my opinion. Today, we have the story of Oreos rise to fame. Except Oreos are not quite what you think. To be remembered, you either have to be the first or the best. And Oreo didn't check both those boxes. The one that did is a cookie you've probably never heard of. We start in the 19th century with hardtack, the stuff we learned about in fourth grade that sailors ate on ships, and it tasted terrible and they had to soak it in water, and why were people still eating it at this point? Well, there was nothing to replace it. But in the 1800s, the price of sugar started to go down, because people were growing it in more places like Hawaii. That's crazy! Whoa, you should totally listen to episode 52 if you haven't already. But sugar starts to get cheaper, and it's addictive, and so we start adding it to our biscuits. And that's why the English call cookies biscuits, because biscuits started out bland. And when sugar entered the game for all price ranges, biscuits started getting sweet. This sweet biscuit trend started out in England and made its way to America, as most things did in the 19th century. Jacob Luce, a high school dropout, decided to ride the wave of this cookie trend. After building up some funds from a dry goods store he founded in Pennsylvania, he moved to Kansas City, Missouri, and he did it all for the cookies. He partnered up with his brother Joseph Luce to buy a baked goods factory in Kansas City. They renamed it the Luce Brothers Manufacturing Company, and I guess they didn't have the most appealing name in the world for what they were doing, but their bakery was a huge success. But Jacob, the high school dropout, wanted to expand further. Remember, the late 19th century was a period in American history with big conglomerations and companies that eventually had to be broken up. And this was a first for the food industry. With the help of their lawyer, Adolphus Green, the Luce brothers partnered with 35 other bakeries in the US to create the American Biscuit Company, conveniently known as the ABC. But before long, the ABC wasn't the only conglomerate in the industry. There was the New York Biscuit Company and the U.S. Baking Company. Competition drove the price down to the point of near bankruptcy for the ABC. And as the saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. So in 1898, the ABC was left with no option but to merge with the two other companies, creating the all-powerful National Biscuit Company, better known as Nabisco. The Luce Brothers lawyer, Adolphus Green, wrote the contract for this deal and he did them dirty. They trusted him enough to write the contract without them reading it, and Green wrote himself in as president of the company, demoting the Luce brothers to just board members. As you can imagine, the Luce brothers quit, 
and they started the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company. Meanwhile, Nabisco continued to grow with a new cookie, the You Need a Biscuit, spelled like You Need a Biscuit, like with a U. Never mind. Anyway, it was the first sweet biscuit to come in a wax sleeve, which helped it to stay fresh for longer. And this was extremely popular. Of course, Loose Wiles had to come up with some sort of smash product to compete with Nabisco. They decided upon chocolate, which was relatively novel in America at the time, and I think you can see where this is going, except the chocolate sandwich cookie is not what you think. It was called Hydrox, and Loose Wiles was taking business away from Nabisco with this new cookie. So Nabisco's best move to stay alive was to produce a copycat, Oreo. Original Oreos debuted alongside a lemon meringue flavor, which has been dropped since then, but the original recipe has barely changed since 1912. Still, it's a copycat. And as you can imagine, Hydrox went with the tagline, the original sandwich cookie. And until researching this episode, I thought that tagline belonged to Oreo, but I guess that's not the case. Hydrox was easily the top cookie on the market when it launched in 1908, and debatably a big contributor to its success was the thought behind the name. Hydrox was named for purity, and this was really important in light of terrible food filler problems in the US, with companies using ingredients like chalk and brick dust to save on ingredient costs, which would bring us the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 and the creation of the FDA. Anyway, it was important for people to think of this cookie as clean and pure, and they accomplished that by naming it after a cleaning product. But Hydrox was supposed to be named after hydrogen and oxygen, hence water being associated with purity. This branding held true, and Hydrox was certified kosher, whereas Oreo was not. So that's Clorox, I mean Hydrox, which brings us to the naming of Oreo. There are a few theories for the naming of Oreo, and one has to do with two chocolate cookies being like the O's. Uh, There's actually a meme about this where the double stuffed is an O-Re-Rio and the triple stuffed is an O-Re-Rio. Oh, sorry, O-Re-Re-Rio. But there's also a theory about how uh, ore is French for gold and Oreos originally came in gold packaging. The strongest theory, however, is uh, the little flower design on the cookie, supposedly the California laurel. And its botanical name is Oreo Daphne, or Oreo for short. And this is interesting because the Hydrox also has a flower on it. And once I started looking, all the Oreo knockoffs have it too. I tried Whole Food Oreos, the chocolate sandwich creams. Those had flower designs on them. I looked up pictures of Walmart Great Value chocolate sandwich cookies. I eventually found myself browsing through the internet looking at different chocolate sandwich cookie brands, proceeding into the rabbit hole of $600 limited edition Pikachu Oreos on eBay, and this is the work I have to do, so no one else has to. Despite their original branding, Oreo was still far behind Hydrox, so here's how they gained the upper hand. First, the Lewis brothers died. Joseph died of heart disease, then Jacob mysteriously died of unknown causes, then their business partner, Jacob Wiles, also mysteriously died. Not trying to suggest anything, just just saying. Oreo switched up their branding to focus on twisting the cookie when you eat it, and they raised the price and made Oreos a luxury food, 
Meanwhile, Hydrox was falling apart, with the Loose Wiles being renamed to Sunshine Biscuit Company, then sold to the American Tobacco Company, that's pretty low, then to Granny Goose Foods, then to Keebler, where Hydrox was discontinued. So we settle with Oreos for a while. The cookie that decided its original flavor wasn't good enough, so we get flavors like red velvet and vanilla, which shouldn't exist. Sorry, I'm roasting Oreos. A lot of people say Hydrox tasted better. They had darker chocolate cookie and a better crunch. They say Hydrox customers are more independent thinkers. And there's a man working to revive Hydrox. I think it's genius. His name is Elia Kassoff. He started by purchasing the rights to Astro Pops, which was the discontinued lollipop brand. And he has brought back Hydrox, as well as some other candies, in his retro sweets company called Leaf Brands. So if you want to buy Hydrox to try them, I got a link in the show description. Hydrox are great, and I hope I made them a lot more interesting for you. But in the long run, Oreo still won the marketing game. It doesn't matter who technically makes a slightly better cookie. Oreo came in with the flavors, the branding, the merch. When you go to the Oreo website, the first thing they have, I don't know if they still have it, um, is the Build Your Perfect Oreo. Um, so, like, you can choose, like, the different cream, the different, I don't know, different color creams, different color, like, cookies. It's crazy. Uh, but today, Oreo is under Mondelez International, and you can find them everywhere. You know that, including the $600 Pikachu ones on eBay. And if you want more like this episode, hop on over to episode 45 for the history of American cheese, or 34 for breakfast cereal. I'm Robert Lakatosh, and... I might get me a couple Oreos after this. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't listen to the next episode just yet. I'd appreciate if you could take just 10 seconds to rate or write a review for The History Of. It really does make the episodes better. And if you think you have a friend who might enjoy this podcast, tell them about The History Of, their new favorite podcast. And you might just make their day. I'd like to thank you all for your gracious, loyal support. And until the next one, I'm Robert Lakatosh. Thanks for listening.